0: My name is Kevin Selden, and this is the DILF podcast, as in dad, I'd like to friend. And the reason behind that title is because when I first began my journey into fatherhood, I found it to be a very isolating experience. And I know that can be the case for most parents, but particularly for dads, because for many dads, it's very hard to find a friend. And as of now, there's really no system to welcome dads or educate them or support them in any way. But hopefully, this podcast and the episodes to follow can begin to change that. Today, I am happy to welcome the first dad that I became friends with during my paternity leave. And it really made a huge difference during this very exciting but confusing time. Gavin, welcome. Good to be here. The funny thing about how Gavin and I met is it's... uh, We've discussed this and many dads out there will completely understand. It is not the easiest thing to find dads with kids your age. You know, with moms, there are intense amounts of support groups. There are... Um, Online resources consistently. There's not that many for dads. And um, it was difficult to find someone who shared common values, but not only that, had a child the same age. And my wife was in one of her many moms groups. And a guy requested to join. And it turns out that guy was Gavin. And what did you ask in the group? I think I said something to
1: the effect of like, please, can I join? I promise not to post much, but I, you know, I'm home with my son and I have no resources and I couldn't find any groups.
0: <laughs> and then Laura, my wife, responded with, my advice is meet my husband. And so we were set up on a blind date, which took quite some time to do. I think because, honestly, I, I'm not a very shy person, but I think I was nervous I, I was already very uncomfortable in the fact that I wanted to be a dad my whole life, but I, um, I needed support. And I didn't like admitting that I needed support, even though everyone does. I, I actually found the text exchange. It was a very kind of cordial back and forth, like you would with a date when you meet someone and you're like, hey, we should hang sometime, but you don't really specify a time. So then nothing ever comes about. And I think I just flaked, which is so not me. But then I wrote this kind of haphazard uh, response after, you know, two or three weeks. So I wrote Gavin and I said, crazy few weeks, but finally normalizing any free time this Thursday. And I feel like it was one of those like, you awake things you do to yeah. not get <laughs> in the middle of <laughs> you up. Exactly. And Gavin didn't respond. I I thought to myself, why am I being so stupid? This is an opportunity to hang with another dad. It may intimidate you, but I think that this is crucial. And I realized that I needed to do kind of a mea culpa. And it's not something guys traditionally do. And I remember feeling like I need to write something heartfelt. And to me, this was... And I am, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm a very vulnerable person, but I remember this being a very difficult text for me. And looking at it now, it is the simplest text in the world. But I wrote, Hey Gavin, Kevin Selden here, random dude whose wife reached out to you to make me more dad friends. Just wanted to apologize for being so flaky these past few weeks, but would truly love to meet up at some point. I think writing the word truly, for me... I think I I felt like that was me putting my heart in your hands and saying, I truly would like to meet and, and knowing that I could be rejected as anyone does when they put their heart out. But Gavin, sure enough, as the lovely man that he is, wrote back very shortly after... Reading it now, I realize this text change is not as exciting as I thought it would be in reading (laughs) it. But you should know that it was very long. It took a month for us to kind of meet up. And when we first met, uh, our first blind date, if you will, we met up at this restaurant. We kind of went back and forth on where to meet. And I remember being very nervous. And you were so prepared. I don't know if you remember this. No. No. So when we went to lunch, you sat Harrison down and you pulled out teething crackers and you pulled out puffs and you pull and you just had this bag of tricks. And I was like, well, I have a bag with diapers and a change of clothes. I was like, you mean, so you bring snacks with you? And it was just (laughs) something that I didn't, I didn't know. I thought he was so young and I acted like I knew what the teething crackers were. But immediately after we left, I went to Target and bought like a case of teething crackers And I remember breaking them into little pieces until I saw you give him a whole one. And he kind of was, you know, nibbling at them. And I was like, we can do that. And it was, where did you learn that? Probably
1: from my wife. Yeah. But I think a lot of it was the the same type of guessing game. I mean, it was really just, and it gets scary because you Google something like, what can I feed my toddler, my eight month old infant? And you can fall down these holes where it's like the only thing he can eat is like organically grown spinach from your own garden. (laughs) Like you can't find unanswered. There's not like... This is the answer. This is what's safe. It's like 5,000 different voices I'll tell you
0: the different things. Because that's what dads are left with. We're left with Google as opposed to the moms that have these groups and people that have done it before that are, you know, real humans talking to you and specifically giving you guidance in the moms groups. And we right. have to beg. All our resources go to just asking to be a part of a moms group or trying so to find So you're finding people. it like
1: whatever's bubbling to the top or whatever's being most talked about or however Google is working at the time like, that becomes your answer. And you'll get... Or you, you'll go a couple pages, skim across a few, and you'll find ten conflicting things. Like, right. don't give them food. Do give them food. You know, um, don't give them food or else I'm never going to become an adult. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't, you know. Wh- what do I pick? Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of the advice that I got or kind of gleaned, you know, as best I could was trust, trust your kid. Your kid will communicate with you. And you just have to look for it, you know, and that, that was kind of the advice that, uh, my wife, Michelle gave me was, he'll tell you if he doesn't want it, you know, if he can't have it. And as long as you're not putting him in a position where it's really dangerous, he will probably be okay. Um, and that was also my general rule with him was, you know, he's, he's a baby and he needs guidance, but I can't protect him from everything and he needs to be able to explore and find things, you know? So, Um, I know we're just talking about crackers here, but that was something where one day we just kind of bit the bullet and said, okay, we know, you know, it sounds ridiculous now to be thinking this, but part of it was like, okay, we know infant CPR, we are ready to hand this child a cracker.
0: It was was a terrifying thing when we first started doing it. I was even hesitant when you you offered us one. and. Wyatt looked at it like, what is that? And I thought, I- are we ready for this? I don't know if we want to do this. I think it's I remember doing things like
1: stuffing them in my mouth to see, you know, like, would this choke me? <laughs> 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 like when we first got them, I would like, I I ate, you know, there's people that do this like with um, their dogs, they'll eat anything they get for their dog. And I always thought it was really odd until, you know, every baby food thing we got I was like, well, I need to make sure that's safe. And I would be like the king's like poison yeah. tester.
0: I know a lot of parents that do that. It's funny. I, I didn't always, at first I thought, oh, I will taste it first. And then I stopped doing it and we would give him food. And I realized when he didn't eat it, I decided always to taste it if he wouldn't eat it. And I was like, oh, because that's disgusting. That's yeah. why you're not eating it. Yeah. It's not because I remember not a couple hungry. of them
1: being like, oh, no, this is just gross.
0: <laughs> but I find it interesting that your resource was your wife. Whereas I'm sure Michelle had countless resources helping her along the well, cause way. She,
1: had, she was in a, a group with her friends, which is like six friends. I think five out of the six have kids. Yeah. So she was getting a lot of first-hand advice. And I think that that's what you forget in in these little like groups is even from a Facebook group, it's almost first-hand advice. You're, you're one away or there's kind of a community that grows. Maybe it's local, maybe it's not, but it is like a few steps from you. When you're just Googling things cold, um, you don't – there's no cultural reference or there's no reference point of like, oh, yeah, their kids are fine, you know, versus she would talk to her mom friends and they'd say, you know, my kids are just fine. Here's what I did. And you have some kind of like proof, you know, like by them having it. It's funny, you were mentioning when we met, I also remember thinking, oh, this is a mom trying to like get me – out of the moms you know get me away from the moms it's like, <laughs> like um, was a manipulative. let's throw a dad at him <laughs> keep him away because i felt really embarrassed to post i mean i remember asking just being like look i don't i don't want to like steamroll this community i just need a place where i can go ask questions about los angeles and having a kid i think it was a call for city moms group yeah and i just needed to know like where are the swim lessons there's i can't find this stuff posted locally and so they let me in without, really without any fuss. It wasn't a problem. I just remember feeling really embarrassed. And then when somebody reached out and said, you know, I said, hey, does anybody want to get their kids together? And someone said, uh, you can meet my husband. My first reaction was, oh, no, am I being creepy? Like, am I, is it seeming like I'm trying to go out, you know? And they're like, like, I know we're all married here. or At least some of us are married, right? Like, I'm not trying to hit on people.
0: I mean, that was the same response I got when I went to some of the groups, you know, i It was, it felt like I was, I was in classes with parents, but they all felt mommy in me and they, none of the moms would acknowledge me. You know, they, everyone would hold the the door for the woman with the stroller, but the man with the stroller, you know, he can handle it. And I felt very much alone and tepid with every situation. It was so not welcoming. And I find it so interesting that Uh, I mean, I'm glad that they let you in. I've been rejected from those groups before. And I was shocked when I started to talk to other dads how many other dads had attempted as well and were kind of turned off.
1: And if you join the dad groups, though, you can kind of get a hint as to why. You know, because I went into the dad groups and there was nothing there. It was like memes. It was like funny memes that were like really outdated about like not liking your wife and kids. You know, And I was just like...
0: And a lot of things this on Instagram, This isn't really helpful. Too. I mean, I'm
1: sure it's cathartic, you know, and they're just kidding. But a lot of it was just this kind of like, oh, you know, like, I don't know, it was like humor from 100 years ago type of yes. stuff, you know, about like your wife nagging or something. I was like, I don't need this. This is not cathartic for me. I need to know if I can give him a cracker or not, you know?
0: Yeah. Like re- we are actively, many men are now actively involved as fathers. And yet a lot of the resources out there are these, um... guarded guys doing funny memes and you find it all around Instagram, you know, and, uh, and they get a lot of attention, but they're not actually doing anything to help and move us forward.
1: Yeah. I think there's some, it's like that first layer, there's some camaraderie in it and that's like the basic, you know, high fives all around type of thing. But we, we, from, from caring have gone from zero to, you know, uh, at least what we try to get to, like equal parenting. But I feel like that support system has gone from just to the high five area where like, hey, we're all dads. period. you know you're like, I know we're all dads, but like let's trade advice or like and individually I had a lot of success, but not in the group. So I'm not sure if that's because as guys, they're more guarded or less vulnerable or what that was, but that's what I noticed it was one on one, I almost never had a problem. Um, but in groups and dad groups, it was usually just mostly like people ribbing each other and, you know, there's a place for it. It's fun, but it's not, it's not what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. I needed a resource.
0: Now where, aside from me, where did you find other dad friends?
1: Um, it was just occasionally there would be like the one other dad at a group I went to or, um... You know, I used to go to that little school that was like for really young kids, where they most mostly just play. Yeah. And uh, get experiences. There was like one or two other dads there. We, we kind of acknowledged each other, but didn't really connect.
0: You're almost forced friends. Yeah. You know? You're like, are like you guys
1: gonna stand in the corner. Exactly. You know? <laughs> um, but really, I didn't. I didn't meet a ton. But you know, if I talked to say a friend online, who I knew had kids, or an old friend from high school, or something that would be like the one-on-one where you'd get real advice. Um, but, you know, you bump into an old... Even even sometimes uh, on the flip side of the one-on-one, you'd bump into an old friend at a wedding and, you you know, you remember that they had a kid and, and you have a kid now and you ask about it and they, you know, they give you some kind of like, oh, you know, it's hell, huh? And you're like, I, 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 no, <laughs> not really. Yeah, it's a spectacular experience, like but hard, I need <laughs> but
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up when you run into old friends, because I found that before I connected with you, uh, during those months, I I found myself reaching out to good friends that had kids that I kind of lost touch with because we didn't have a kid right. yet and they did. And so their kids were older and we'd make time to hang out, although it's hard when you're on paternity leave, you know, maternity leave, moms have so many resources to hang out with other moms and on paternity leave, it's it's quite lonely if you choose to do that. Uh, I found, and I would hang out with those dads who were available, you know, any of the stay-at-home dads, and if they had kids that were older, I found we, we would go to the beach, and it, why it's too young to be in the sun. I'm, like, covering him, you know. I, I remember one time a dad who I love, he's a great guy and a great friend, but he had two kids, so he, he asked me to hold the other baby. Well, he went and played on the swing, with the older daughter because she needed she was running around on the beach and she needed to be active and I thought this is not fun I'm <laughs> just sitting here holding two crying babies on the hot beach it was not an you know an active environment it was it was so different based on the age you know once they all hit you know 18 yeah. months it feels like they can all play together but when the kids can't even necessarily crawl or walk yet it's such a different experience. And I remember meeting you and you saying, uh, it's funny that you went to a Facebook group to ask us because I felt like you were such a natural in the way you suggested places for us to go consistently and said, we just have to enjoy them and they'll enjoy the atmosphere. And we went to the Getty. I mean, you had such an array of weekly places that we would go to. Where did you come up with that list?
1: So I made a list of really just places I wanted to see in los angeles i'd lived here for a couple years and and really not explored the city and a lot of the reasons because when you go on on the weekend it's crowded and loud and so part of it was like oh these places will be quiet big open places where i can see something really interesting uh my son can sleep or or see something interesting maybe um at least be in an environment where it's kind of experiential so i just started making i think i set up some google calendars and i just started like you know, pouring through everything. Like what are all the things to do in LA and looking at it with a basic set of criteria? Like, do they have somewhere to eat where I can sit down and feed, you know, myself, but, but Harrison, um, do, are they likely to have clean public bathrooms where I can change him? And that gets in a whole different discussion of how many places don't have changing tables for yeah. uh, men's room. Although that is changing. Airports are way better now or some of them, the, um, Neutral bathrooms are pretty good about it, too. Yeah. Family restrooms. We part. actually
0: have a guest coming on um, soon that is uh, big in the squat for change movement. He actually created the squat for change movement and it has got pampers and a lot of people on board oh, and, that's and awesome. adding changing tables to the men's restrooms. I mean, I was so lucky to have you to kind of guide that way. I think I was so consumed with just um, finding resources that when you came along and you had this list of places and you had already done the research, I think that's so wonderful for guys to know at home, for dads, no matter what city you live in, Gavin's concept of just being able to go to a place that you enjoy, you know, that with that criteria of, of having open space, of having a bathroom, a clean bathroom you can utilize, having a place uh, to get food. I feel like we went to Huntington Gardens. We went to so many places. And I think why it really... Uh, treasured it, he seemed to really enjoy it, but he stayed in the stroller most of the time. And yet, we weren't at home. And it was like, when we were home, he's just screaming and crying. He wants to go out. But I'm like, where the freak do I take you?
1: Yeah, that was... And admittedly, some of those were really just like shots in the dark, right? Like, I'll do a worst-case scenario thing. I think, you know what? I want to check out um, the Getty. Worst-case scenario, I lose my 30 bucks, and I have to take him screaming in the car, And drive him home, right? Yeah. The alternative for that is I'm sitting at home and he's upset anyway, you know, so why not give him at least a drive? And if it all falls apart, I'll give him a drive home and he'll be fine, you know. And I'll have a more interesting day than he would if I just stayed at home scared to go out. Yeah. So that was it too. I mean, some of those really were like the restaurant we went to, I think. I was just like, I think there's enough space between the tables. Let's take a shot at this, you know. There's It's loud enough that no one's going to be bothered if they cry, or we can get out if they they do. And I I think that's another feeling I have, is just people are really scared to bring their kids places. Like, their kids are really offensive, and it's going to be a big deal, and and the anxiety is worse than the actual event, usually.
0: Yes. Um, in so much of life. The
1: worst case is they cry, and you have to leave. And that, interesting, was never the case for us. It never happened, even. It just, that's the worst case that could happen. And it never came up. I think maybe when somebody got fussy and he gave him a, you know, a snack or some milk and that's it. There was never like a meltdown
0: yeah, or anything. And and infants, Although ironically, our, our sons never really interacted. Like they, we would sit them next to then, each other. It has to do with the age they were at. But it was like they were both immensely enjoying the scenery and time with us, but they weren't really acknowledging each other.
1: Yeah. Once they were both in high chairs a little bit more, they would see each other eating and, like, be interested, I remember. Um, but, yeah, that that was really it. it was just, like, uh, the only thing I didn't do was go to the movies because I don't want to ruin everyone's movie. Yeah. But um, Plus, I thought that would be too loud for him.
0: Yeah, I've still never done that, taking them to a movie. That's a whole other episode talking about showing him media.
1: Yeah, that's a whole different story. Um, but, yeah, so I just started saying... Screw it! I'm either gonna sit at the house or maybe I drive an hour and it falls apart. But he's been driven for
0: an hour and he has a calm day and, you know, he'll enjoy it. I feel like that was it was such a godsend for me to have you there. You know, I started my full on paternity leave at around four months, and I decided to be with him for the year. And it was just lucky that it overlapped with when you were doing your paternity leave. I remember the day you went back to work and me being like, oh God.
1: Now what? Now what?
0: (laughs) But I think I had a little more confidence from that experience to be able to um, go and experience more things on my own, to go into classes and be uh, a little more justified in talking to moms and saying, I am equal to you as a parent and it's okay that we correspond. I remember I got my first... Um, play date with another mom, but we had to go to like a separate. We couldn't go to each of a, either of our houses, which was weird. But it was like we had to go to this separate place to meet up to make sure there were other people around. It was a very weird environment, but it was just it was a great transition. How important for you was that paternity leave time, and and the time to bond and kind of own it? I mean. I would say
1: it fundamentally changed my life um, because in the initial it was, I was really supporting my wife. That's, it was all directed through her, right? She had a tough labor. I was basically like gophering around the house cause she was in bed and not really, you know, I was, I mean, everything, all my interactions with him were, were kind of through
0: her in an odd way from when he was born
1: when he was born and she was on maternity leave and I was I took a little bit of time but then I was at work or it was both of us right when it was both of us everything was through her she kind of knew what to do Same. and I was following that and because um, she had instinct or knowledge or you know and I tried to keep up but a lot of it was really like Michelle how can I help you right now not Harrison what do you need And I think that's the conversation, you know, mental conversation that really changed when I went on paternity leave. Because then it was, she would go to work. It was just me and him. And I had to learn to communicate with him. And I did. And that really changed, you know, what it was to be a dad. To go around just with him. um, Spend a whole day only communicating with him occasionally because you're you're solo.
0: Um, To have that weight on your shoulders, you had to step up.
1: You just have to learn everything. And I think that's really important. It really changed my relationship with him and my relationship with my family and my relationship with work of knowing what am I working for even. Um, and you know, I was really grateful that the company I worked at uh gave three months paternity leave. It was it's kind of unheard of, or maybe now it's starting to come on, but um but yeah, it really it really did change everything about our relationship and made me a much stronger father, which lasted out way beyond that. Yeah. I think if it had been, I just kept going to work. Um, I would have had much less patience at home. If there's something I could particularly nail down because I got to see the experience that my wife was having was being alone all day with some, you know, new being that you don't understand that you have to help. And then I would come home exhausted and not get how tired she was until we switched that. And then I was home with him all day and I would totally understand like, oh, this is seriously an enormous amount of work. Yeah. Um, You can't
0: understand until you do it. Also, give that car analogy that I love that you've given before. I
1: really likened it to, you, you know, when I was a kid watching my mom drive and not understanding how she could make all these decisions, she would see stop signs and crosswalks and yield signs and she would know which brake and which gas and she'd know how to like turn the wheel and put it all in reverse and (laughs) I just remember feeling entirely overwhelmed by that by thinking like I'll never be able to drive she knows everything she's doing it all like without even thinking and she's still talking to me while she's doing it how can I ever really learn this much and watching my wife with Harrison was much the same she Knew when to feed him and what he wanted and why he was crying and how to get him to stop crying. And I was just watching all these things thinking like, you're a super genius about yeah. this. I know nothing. Once I actually sat in a car and drove it, it was fine. You, you kind of, you figure it out. Okay. Like, okay. The first thing is don't crash. Everything else stems from that. And you learn the other rules, you know, like, okay, that's what this sign means. It matters. It also is context. Yeah. You're in it. You can't study into it. You can't just on paper, learn to drive until you actually run the car. I think that was kind of what paternity leave was. Exactly. It was like, hey, go run the car. Like, yeah. you've studied enough. Why don't you take it for a spin, you know, and don't crash? Keep them alive. That's number one. Um,
0: it's a lot less scary when you're actually at the wheel.
1: Yeah, weirdly. Like, it shouldn't be. It should be much more scary, but when you actually like hit the gas a little and you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's what happens here. And you, We've hit a groove. Okay, wait, I can make this my own. Exactly, yeah. And and you start to just get a, a feel for it. And I, it raised my confidence a lot.
0: Uh, I think also personally and as like a family man. I would agree. I, I would agree. It wasn't just as a dad. I think it um, taking that ownership was what helped me to kind of refine my passion. Because then I would also find when you... It's one thing when you do it through work. But with something that matters so much like a kid, you make up a little song and the kid laughs. And you think to yourself, oh, yeah, I am... I am quite funny. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and you and the little things you do, and you get that fresh acknowledgement of someone who's never seen anything before, <laughs> and they're not lying; oh. they don't know how to fake it. That so, was a big driver for me too. Was like,
1: well, he's never seen art. Let's he should go see art. You know, yeah. like I know he won't get it and it won't mean anything, but I'll be there when he when he does it. You know,
0: it's the ownership is is such an important piece. Now, curious. You had a very interesting upbringing in that you've lived so many different places. How, and your dad was working a lot growing up. How did the dynamic of your family and your upbringing affect your perspective and the approach you take to parenting?
1: I think on one hand, I often empathize with kid self of me, right? So I think back of, What's it like when you're little and you don't have all the communication tools and you feel all these feelings and people aren't understanding you or taking the time for you? And I think that, you know, in relationship to knowing, you know, thinking about my, my kid from his perspective, my son from his perspective, getting down to his level and paying attention to him and just thinking like, what does he need? Because I remember needing things as a kid, not knowing how to say them, but no one really taking the time. It's not to say that I had like deadbeat parents or anything, it was just it was busy, you know, it was a lot a lot going on and um and it was crazy. And sometimes you just wanted to be heard and and you didn't want to make a fuss about it either,
0: you know. Um your your mom was a very active presence in your childhood, you know, with your dad not around as much from work and then after they got a divorce.
1: Yeah, and I think that changed the role in terms of seeing one parent needs to know how to do everything. You know, there's, there's a world where you might need to know it all and you can't just skate by being like, yeah, I got, I got half of this, you get the other. You know, both parents should be whole parents.
0: How did her perspective on life kind of influence?
1: Yeah, so I think that the biggest, the biggest thing, and also even to go back to the point about having empathy and thinking about the world from a kid's eyes, also comes from my mom who always reminded us to to literally do that, to think through somebody else's eyes. I remember one of the more extreme cases was, I think I was four, maybe five years old. I stepped on a bumblebee that had gotten into the house. And I guess you could say it stung me. I really, I stepped on it. So probably I stung it. <laughs> um, I was really angry. And I said, I hated the bee. And... And she said well uh think about it from the bee's perspective he was just flying along doing his thing and not really looking to hurt anybody then suddenly there's a giant who steps on him crushes him and starts screaming and he has no idea what he's done or why anything's going on you know and made me look at the same story through the bee's eyes and said i couldn't just hate the bee for that i had to have some empathy because he wasn't trying to do that. Yeah. And in the end, she actually had me. We um, blanketed it in a little piece of toilet paper <laughs> um, as a funeral cloth. And we buried him and said a few words. We buried him in the yard in Colorado. And uh, yeah, that was that was kind of something she imparted a lot of is, is always look at the story from both sides. And I think that that's something that has really influenced uh, the way that I interact with my wife, I'm trying to look at empathetically at like what she's facing, what she's doing, the way I look at my son, what he's facing, what he's doing, what they understand, you know, what, like what was their day like until the point where I interacted with them, you know, and looking through conflict at that a lot of times helps.
0: I love that. Uh, this has been a wonderful talk. I feel like a hope that people at home can really relate to the modern experience of being a dad in today's world. Any final dad truth to leave us with? I think the toughest thing that I've seen
1: is having the patience to let him become his own person is a real challenge for dads. I think a lot of dads, probably moms too, but I see this in dads, you want them to love the things that you love. You want them to play the games that you play and be interested in the hobbies you have and trying to find the space where you're not shaping him but keeping him safe while he shapes himself I think has been one of the tougher challenges of being a dad and one of the dad truths that that I see is one of the challenges I didn't expect that comes in every day you know like I want to buy him the Star Wars t-shirt because I like it but really he needs to find his own his own likes. And there's a point where I have to not over overstep that and influence it and just be there to to guide him and keep him safe while he figures out what it is that he's going to fall in love with in the world. So I think that that's really my my dad truth.
0: I think that's beautiful. That's our time. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for your friendship. You know, it's not easy for anyone to navigate the confusing world of parenthood, but especially when you're going blind without any support network. Luckily, my wife helped me to start building mine, and this episode is just the beginning of our journey to show dads various ways to not feel so isolated, and possibly convince some moms out there to be a little more open to befriending the dads around them. So thank you, Gavin, for coming on, and thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful day.